Welcome to another show of Food Chain. Today we've got Kendall Dickieson, founder of Flexible Creative. Kendall, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I feel like this is like a long time coming. We've known each other for so long and now look at us. Agreed. Yeah. No, I'm I'm stoked to have you and go over all things organic social influencer and even more wherever wherever the conversation may take us. Me too. And it's only right that I'm sipping on a perfie. So yeah. that's gonna have to start being like the prerequisite for shows yeah i feel like it's like the number one it has to be the number one rule every single cheersing first thing and foremost always so let's tell the audience a a bit about you and how you got to where you are today yeah i would say i got my start in organic social and like kind of doing all this stuff like almost i sometimes i mess up timing i'm pretty sure from the time i got my first client it's been six years which as of like i think it's this week and that is mind blowing to me. <laughs> the, um, I started doing all this, like, honestly, my background was originally like as a creator before I started becoming the consultant. I kind of like a lot of people, honestly, who like get involved in social and like building community, they first had their own communities. Then it kind of taught them a lot about like how psychology works with like when it comes to consumers and all this stuff, you know, started a fun food Instagram account back in 2013, scaled that, was in school got an internship at a really dope food publication doing social. I agreed to be their pin turn, aka the Pinterest <laughs> intern. Did I know how to use Pinterest? Absolutely not. But I said yes anyway and taught myself how to make pins in PowerPoint. Then the, uh, yeah, you know, and then I, I really loved it. They gave me a lot of trust with like content and community and data and analytics and even influencer. You know, I was still in school and junior year, I was like, you know what? I want to do this full-time started consulting junior year of college and now we're here that was uh back in the day i worked with a lot of like mom and pop restaurants in new york for about three and a half years COVID hits switched over to the brand side which is where i always want it to be and now i work with really dope cpg and d2c food and bed brands who just want to become killer organic social and influencer love it i will tell you my first client a little bit after your first client, but okay. I, my first client was in 2017 after I left Quest. I'll tell you my first client if you tell me yours. Deal. All right. My first client was D's Naturals. They're now known as No Cow. Oh, damn. <laughs> that didn't even... Oh my gosh. I remember those days. Yeah. So long ago. Well, my first, are we talking first client on the brand side? Brand side. Okay. So first client on the brand side. So that was technically like June, 2020. Now they're called Canopy, but it was on a project called Haiku that's owned by Canopy. And I'm still with Canopy. And I just hit two years with them. So they're reimagined like humidifier brand and they're crushing it. That's dope. And that's, um, oh, what's his name? In, uh, that's Doris Deb, yeah? Yep, exactly. Justin Lucas. Yep, yep. Very cool. Yeah, my first few clients back in, and it's just bringing back, brings me back to the old days. It was D's No Cow or no, D's Naturals, which turned into No Cow. It was Cave Shake and Proats. Oh my gosh, I remember Proats. Yeah, they now have like a gummy bear. I think it's called Candy Can or maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Creek was a he was a dope dude, and I think they're doing pretty well. So, yeah. All right, though, that's a little bit about my first client. Um, I want to jump in. We're going to talk a lot about organic social, but I want to start with some of the things that 
that you see that are that are really working? I know you had a dope article about what you're doing with YouTube Shorts for a client. How's that going? For YouTube Shorts specifically or overall? What's working starting with YouTube Shorts? Got you. All right. So I would say starting with YouTube Shorts, honestly, I think it's such an interesting platform. I'm always, and I'm sure we both agree on this, like super hesitant when like another another platform is trying to riff off of the same concept as three other hundred thousand platforms, right? It's obviously just another TikTok on platform. And so in the beginning, I was like, uh, I was like, who's actually clicking on this? When they're on YouTube in general, like who's like, I'm only going to shorts. Cause I know for me, I put YouTube on like in the background. Like I'm one of those workers who like, I need background noise, whether that's like music or like, I honestly used to study in college with like Netflix in the background and could like watch a whole show and still like retain it. So to me, what I'm seeing work right there is like kind of, I don't want to say like inflation of views. I think everyone always questions like, where are these coming from? But there's just an ease to the takeoff of it. Like I could post one in the morning and by like the afternoon, it has like almost 10,000 views. And it just moves really fast. And I think it's also like, if you can manage the distribution on it and you make it easy for yourself, like why not just be on another platform if it's working? So I'm seeing it work more so from the standpoint of if you have a lot of like how-to type of content, but not a lot of like brand focused content. Like you can't be posting like repurposed TikToks that are solely about like literally the brand, like the bottle of the brand and like all this stuff. So seeing a lot of like recipes do well, a lot of like humor do really well. I just don't think people want to be sold on it. Yeah, I hear you. Going back to the inflation of views, even going back to what you said about social media channels being a replica of others, like everyone's trying to do what TikTok's doing because it's eating into their, their profits right now. I feel you on that. But one thing that sticks out to me more is when brands try to be the exact versions of other brands instead of yes. versions of themselves. So I think it's happening in multiple that places. Yes. Yeah. Like the wish um, version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the, uh, yeah, there's many wish versions of different brands right now across all the niches. And I think like, right, everyone in this world of marketing, whether it goes to like, your website or your paid ads or like your organic social, everyone draws inspiration from one another in some way, shape or form. And like, that's going to happen. But there's a difference between inspiration and straight taking it and then saying you did that because you didn't. So that's where like my pet peeve comes in. Like, I mean, I've definitely seen iterations that have riffed off of like a lot of work that I've done. And I usually just sit quiet and I'm like, it's, obviously flattering to the brand, but it's just annoying because I think it's, I don't know. I, I think it's just one of those things like there is something to be said for what's the line, like a uh, good artist copy and great artist steal. Right. Is that yeah. what it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, is that true in marketing? Yeah. As long as you find a way to make it your own and make it <laughs> to your brand. So I don't know. I think like right now, I feel like there's a huge like creative route that's happening with a lot of brands. And so everyone's just like, oh, well, if they're in a specific niche and they see like one superstar who's like ripping through, like they're getting all the views and like they had the breakthrough that like none of the other brands could have in that category. Everyone's looking at them and being like, oh, well, we could just remake everything that they're doing. It should work for us. True. Right. It's vetted, especially for TikTok. But I don't know. I think it's just like, it's not scalable. What are you going to do when like the company starts scaling and you're like, oh my God, we have none of our own original ideas because we copied someone else. (laughs) That's worrisome. 
I think it goes back a little bit to almost copying homework in school. I'm going to use this example. Not that I ever did it. I'm smirking right now. But like if you copied somebody's homework, yes, yeah. you can probably get the same grade and the same score. You obviously, you know, take a couple and you, you, you purposely make them wrong, but it doesn't mean you understand the coursework. And exactly. one thing to me is I think that the real artists out there, like, like yourself that are making organic social fun, but also it's doing the job. It's also effective in the right ways. One thing that bums me out about brands just kind of copying homework, I'll put it that way, is that they don't get the why behind it. There's literally sessions I have with my team, like, I'm going to give you the answer, but we have to have a why sesh. So 15 minutes, we're going to talk about the why this is the answer. Like, it just happened today. And I wish more brands had that. And it's unfortunate. I don't blame the people doing it as much as I blame the founders, because I think that I'll speak for myself. I've worked for enough founders where I've seen, like, do what they do. If you tell an intern that or somebody that's in college, that's unfortunately probably down to take less pay than somebody that has a couple of years experience. Mm-hmm. They're not getting the course load. They're copying the homework. And it's happened several times um, in, in my history. Yeah. No, I mean, I really like the way that you phrase that because I think it's it's exactly that. It's like we know the why behind it. And that's something like especially at really like all clients, honestly, that's something that I'm always talking about. It's always like, especially in the beginning when I start with a client. I mean, there's always, you know. And you know, this, like the on- whole onboarding when it comes to social, obviously clients like are going to want like some small approvals in the beginning, just to make sure like brand voice and everything is like captured correctly, which is totally understandable, but I'm very lucky. And I know, I know a lot of my friends who are consocial don't have the same pleasure of saying that they don't have to really go through approval processes. Um, but like, you know, I'm on the level now where I'm very grateful that a lot of my clients just trust me to explain my why whether something goes live or before it goes live, like, and they just trust it. There's no doubt. There's nothing to it. And I think like that is the one thing too, when it comes to a lot of the brands, exactly how you said it, it's like, they might not have the same sales goals as us, or they're not trying to achieve the same thing as us. So like, then why are they copying? <laughs> it's so crazy. And I was thinking about this the other day, cause I've seen iterations of, especially it's probably the worst when a lot of these brands, I would actually call out the, cereal space right now yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> you know exactly what i'm talking about the um what is it same website i forgot the name of the one who tried to rip off magic spoon that was awful like that is case in point example of like if you think you're being sneaky you're really not because everyone who's in the know and like knows this industry knows what you were doing <laughs> yeah there's some stuff that went down there where they I have to work around this in a way that's polite. Yes. There was some photography that was made available to that brand. That was almost like a fax of some photography that my team had had done for Magic Spoon in the past. And the thing that I finally spoke up about it, I shouldn't really do that. Like Magic Spoon doesn't care really when people copy them because they're they're doing great. But I had to speak up finally because I was like, this is shocking. And I think that they thought they had a little bit of an ocean that was separating them from reality and it wasn't very cool but the thing that bothered me the most was they took some of my least favorite work for magic spoon like why not take the cappuccino maker that's shooting milk into the the coffee you know like (laughs) jack some of the good stuff but honestly when all said and done i just i think that the approach to it was a little bit off as though it was groundbreaking earth shattering first of its kind when it could have been probably a little bit more humble totally yeah i don't know i think it's just like one of those things that 
we're obviously going to keep seeing it as unfortunate as it is because I think it's a lot of like if this brand took off we can take off and I think it still goes back to like why are you doing it in the first place and like what are the means and how are you going to market it on your own not just following like the same blueprint so I agree with you I think also to go to make sure I touch on your point like the inflation of views I think like actually I was with um Danny from hashtag paid he's awesome if you don't know him and we were actually talking about this whole thing about YouTube shorts and TikTok and just like brand accounts and creator accounts and like where do all these views actually come from right when something goes quote-unquote viral however that means to each person how something pops off and like the minute those views start going from like 10k to 25k literally in the span of like a minute then it goes from like 25k to like 100k and like call it two hours and you're like where are who are these people who are liking this where are these views coming from like I've seen insane upticks lately just in terms of like especially on Instagram reels like I have an account where the reels will just go from like literally zero to like 500 likes not to pay attention to vanity but like zero to 500 likes but that's equivalent of like for us it'd be like over 20k views in like an hour and it doesn't make any sense and that's only on content that we create but if i did a ugc reel from someone else it doesn't move it is so interesting like and it's almost as though somebody like I forgot what documentary it was that I watched. It was probably the one where it was talking about like the addiction of social media and yeah. screen time. And there was like that little fake character that would look at everything and like press the gas on a post because it was going to have those like make people watch their screens more. It happened to me recently and I'm testing all sorts of stupid stuff on Perfuse Reels just to see what what's what. And I feel like there's no rhyme or reason. There was one, one post, it was absolute trash. And I posted, I was like, you know, let's figure out what's going to go on here. It went from like 400 views to 5,300 or something (laughs) in like four minutes from the time I laid in my bed to to when I pulled my phone out. And I was like, who just watched this? Like what even happened? And and then you get three views after that. Like they, 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 yeah, it doesn't run it. Yeah. That's why I don't get it. And that's why I'm like, I just like, I wish, I wish I knew how to like explain it because it's just like, it's very, very weird, but it also makes like my job a little difficult because you know, it's like, why did this one perform well? Why didn't this one? Or maybe why did this one do better than we expected? And this one did the opposite. Obviously, there's like a few things to break down on that front. But even if the quality of this is the same of those two videos or anything like that, it's just like, it makes no sense. Like, I had a video on my account. I actually tested something on my personal TikTok to see if the concept of the video that every time someone did it, it would just do well on whoever's account it was. And I think I was right. One of my videos stopped at 80,000 views. And then last night I looked and now it's at 160. It makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no rhyme or reason behind it. And I feel like the one, like, it's cool in a way because that one song, the, the Jiggle Jiggle song was stuck in my head for at least a month. Oh, and yeah. Like, anything that had that damn song, no matter how bad it was, it seemed to have worked, depending on what your definition of work is. Like, does getting views mean that it worked? Because who knows where they came from? No, yeah. I mean, obviously it's like certain songs too, right? When you use them and like, that's what one thing I started testing is just using the same song on like every other reel to see if it's the song and try and like break that apart somehow. 
what's your take on songs? So I know Reels is a little bit more open to brands using music and they, they pull music off every once in a while. You get that notification. Yeah. But on TikTok, there's brands that are set up as just creators or you know regular TikTok accounts that are allowed to use music that's copyrighted. If you set up your account as a brand, you're not allowed to use that. The question I want to get to is, are brands and creators not both businesses? And then the, the first one is, <laughs> you know, like, let's be real. You, you hit up any creator on TikTok. This is, here's my rate card, but you get to use music that helps you go viral. And I can, and JT Barnett says, until you're big enough, just use a regular account and play the music. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like half season on this because it's like, I've grown accounts that have both have, right. I don't have the copyrighted music and have the copyrighted music. And I'm like indifferent. Like, I think it's just like, you got to put in more like elbow grease if you don't have the copyright, because you just got to save all these like damn mashups and like all these like intricate, like six second clips of like the weird sayings people do and like all that stuff. But I think that's what makes TikTok fun to me is like the weird mashups of music and like all like the weird little the she's the moment one where it's just like, I forgot. And now I forgot. Of course, I forgot how it goes. Like, that's what I would say. Because I think that's what like makes or urges like brands to get more creative with their content of like, especially in food, like if you're using the copyrighted music, like, yeah, it's cool. But when you're forced to like say, oh, I have this five second clip and now I can repurpose like this 30 second video, post that up, but then also cut the six second clip from it. And then also make a third iteration that goes to like a specific mashup. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's forced me to like think about repurposing content differently when not having copyrighted music. I really want to create, I might actually do this with Perfy and it's going to take me a long time for it to work if it does. And it's just, it's like one of those Hail Marys, but how funny would it be if there was an account, like a brand account that couldn't use a copyrighted music and they just got the most ridiculous elevator style, like stock music that they could use. Yes. Like this ridiculous, terrible totally. elevator music. I think you should do that. I think it's also like, I would say where it affects me the most isn't even like TikTok I'm comfortable with because now I got in the flow. In the beginning, I was like, oh shit, I don't have the copyrighted music. Like this is going to be annoying. And now I'm like cool with it. And then I would say for reels, that's where I was having the problem because you get that shitty elevator music that's literally what you get <laughs> like you literally get like this annoying like it's just like weird techno like dun 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 and I'm like what am I supposed to do with this like I have no idea and then when they started opening up that you can save people's music again and like taking those mashups that people are repurposing and stuff like that then I was like okay cool like because it actually like that made me nervous about reels because I'm like well how am I supposed to get any of the brands like on any of the pages for any of these songs because it's just more brands who had to use the same shitty music yeah I think um there's got to be a better way man there's there should be like that's one way like they met us hurting from ad sales because of tiktok why don't they just allow a subscription to that goes to all of the, the music creators where if you want if almost like ringtones back in like y2k if you want to license this song for one video it costs, you know, X amount per thousand views or X amount just flat rate. I mean, Meta doesn't do a whole lot. So, I mean, <laughs> they probably haven't even thought about that. <laughs> yeah, my Meta rep just switched three times since we've been on this podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to say like this week and it's only Monday. The, yeah. um, no, I just got to give an ending one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I can't. I just can't. But I think that also like goes to show like the whole... 
I don't know. I just miss, I miss social like back in the day. I think it's fun now because you have to get so creative and like quirky and like just do weird, cool shit and not be afraid to do it. But then I think that also trickles down into like that the teams that you work with need to be as equally open to that. And that's where I think a lot of problems are happening on brand social where like so many people are like, oh my God, like nothing's growing. It's dead. And like paid, 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 paid. And I'm like, no, like it's just boring. My favorite are the the brands and operators that are open to the kind of weird stuff that we want to do. And we're, I don't think any too many people understand how much social changes, especially organic, yeah. like literally with the weather, always a new algorithm update. And there's, you're relearning and constantly relearning your job. Like I'm not a social media manager per se anymore, but I've been doing social for 10 years now. I would say that there's still no way to be, you can't really be a leader of the pack for too long. If you're like on the top of the mountain next week, you might not be because of new algorithm and focusing on video or whatever, maybe, you know, so you always got to relearn your job. And I think some people actually undervalue that. I think that social media managers are probably the most underpaid marketing. Yes. Preach, preach, preach. Here we go. (laughs) Oh, opening it. Yeah. Um, I've spoken to many people in the last few weeks and all I can say is, Man, uh, it's so disappointing. It's one of those things where I think it is very undervalued. It's very underpaid. I don't want to speak for everyone's position on a team, but I I feel like at least to me, when it comes to like marketing, what I've heard from friends of mine who who work at other brands or have been doing this for so long is socials left out of everything. Everyone, it's like, we had the marketing team calls. Where's the social team? Oh God, yes. It's always a constant question mark to me. And that's why I'm like, I'm very grateful. I work with brands that like no social is at the forefront of things. And they're understanding that things are always changing, but they challenge me at the same time to be like, okay, cool. This is changing. What are you going to do? And they like, trust me. But I think still though, it's like, I don't know. I just feel, this is just a PSA. If someone is a social media manager, that does not mean they are also your graphic designer, your PR agency, your podcast editor, your video editor, your, let's see what else, tech person, anything. Literally, it's in the job title. Like, just follow that. Like, <laughs> Yeah. If I, like, well, I, I do work on the brand side, but it's literally just me at Perfy. But once Perfy gets built out, like, yeah. I really view it as a social media manager is really a director. And they have their Twitter person, their influencer person, their meta person there, Pinterest, whatever, as long as like whatever the, the, the goals are. And I feel like there's one copywriter that works under the social media manager because writing copy for social and writing copy for print or trade marketing, I feel like it's two different things. Yeah, no, 100%. I think that's also like one of the things with, I think there are definitely people who can be one person teams or like unicorns. Should that always be a thing? Not really. Obviously, like as you scale and like you realize that, wow, I can't give all my all my time to like these few things. Like I need someone else to help. And I think like that's one of the things with social in general is at least outside looking in from other people who don't work in it. It looks so easy to people until you're in it, which is why I would pay so much money to switch roles with someone who thinks social is a joke because I feel like they would crumble. Like it is taxing, but in like a fun way. (laughs) So 
I'm going to try to say this as politely and not yep. petty, petty as possible, but there's often times where brands say, you know, you know, GB is trash or you guys aren't performing or, you know, we didn't get our likes on that post and, yeah. and they'll end up moving away from us. And then you're like, well, we did so much more on top of social and we packed that all into one retainer. But on yeah. top of that, you look at their account three months later and it's boob. It's just like not that good at all. Yeah, no, I know. And like, I mean, I definitely like have accounts that I moved away from where that happened. And I would say it's also one of those things of getting people away from vanity metric thinking too is so hard. It's just one of those things where it's like, it's very hard to get teams to zoom out and look at like, look how our month was, or like, look how our week was, or look at like all the other things that happened besides like, this was got 30 likes instead of a hundred. Yeah. Really bad stuff going on and bad habits. Honestly, like I was talking, I forgot what I was talking to about this, but I just think that TikTok has created such bad habits for organic social as a whole. And people are going on there and just literally making like not even the good kind of noise. It's just noisy. The brands that are really doing well, aren't just like making videos or making TikToks. They tested, they had some trash posts. They did it for long enough where things starting to hit, started to hit, but they ultimately understood what was working for them. And the problem is people are trying to do so many of what worked for somebody else where they, they're not even beginning to start to understand what's what could work for them as their own brand. I think like that's the thing though, is that like people get so afraid of testing now. Because like, oh, everything needs to work. That's like to one too much pressure to someone to like have to handle like the pressure from like seven people just who don't understand social to put on someone who understands it and like let them test. And then it, it's the same thing with paid. You run different iterations of things. You launch different campaigns with like five different variants. Like it's the same thing for organic. Like I'm going to test, obviously it's like, I'm going to test the same format of a post. If it performed well, I'm going to find five other ways to like repurpose it, whether it's like making a video that complements it. If it's like a static post, like a graphic, mm-hmm. or I'm going to find a way to like, just twist that graphic again. in like a month from now, if I know it blasted off really well from like a distribution standpoint for like shares and saves and stuff, or like even t- people tagging their friends, like I'm going to make a different version of it. Yeah. It's the same thing. <laughs> One huge thing that has changed over the years in a very good way is you can recycle content or repurpose it. Whereas in the past, people weren't so very open to it. And that's one thing I, I will say is like, exactly like you said, you have your A, B, and C. One's that's, one that's cut up, one that's mashed up, one that's a different iteration of something that worked. And being able to repurpose content is one of the, the biggest things that you can do. But what people don't understand or what I think some founders don't understand is that even though that asset is already created, whether it's still video, whatever, what they don't understand is for you to repurpose that and ter- cut up a bunch of different videos and make a different execution. There's still a lot of time involved. And I think that they think it's as simple as like kind of popping it into a, an app or something, which it, it sure as hell isn't the case. Yeah, no, I know. And I think it's also one of those things where I would say when it comes to even like platform selection, so many brands who should not be on half of the platforms that they need to be on are like, we need to be everywhere. Why? Cause testing that's, Sometimes true and sometimes not. I'm going to go with the latter where it's like a lot of like, I would say even mostly like B2B, like B2B brands who help D2C brands are like, we need to be on Instagram and like all these things. Should they just have the account saved? Probably. But like, that's not where their customers are. Like, I think there's just like a failure these days in terms of being honest and being like, we need to be on 
set like I had someone email me being like we want to launch but we want to launch on like eight platforms and I'm like why and there was no explanation (laughs) it was like because they all exist the best way out of that one for me and I say in kind of a I guess it's kind of back passive aggressive. It's just like, well, how much, how much budget have you allocated for each channel? Yes. And it's usually like, uh, we only have budget for Instagram. And you're like, there we go. I saw another post on LinkedIn recently where somebody was a little bit stressed out about so many different platforms coming up. I think I know what you're talking about. I just wanted to comment, but there was no real way to say it would and make your words seem like, like you really care for them. I should have texted offline. I'm going to do that after this, actually. I'm going to say, hey, the first thing you have to realize is you just don't have to be on all of those. That was a case like Pinterest. We don't really touch Pinterest as much as I think no, Pinterest could be dope. And I, I really think it needs its own person. Pinterest, people that are really good at Pinterest, I, I feel like are valuable, but you, you have to be a, a big ass brand to afford that higher. And yes, exactly. Yeah. One thing That's had- my thing. I don't touch it at all. Like, even though I used to make pins back in the day, there's like, there's, I have no idea how to work it. And also like so many people just use it for paid now too. Like, so yeah, I agree. Like there's definitely platforms where like, it needs its own person. And then I think like one thing I've realized for myself, so many people always ask me, like, I do tweet a lot, right? Like with the reminder of like your social manager, isn't this, this, that, that, whatever. And that's true. Obviously like there's cases where I am the only social person on some of the things I consult on where like, those are like bigger scopes where like, it makes sense with the time. It makes sense with what I'm doing and whatever. And like, you know, a good, but I have a team, I have a general marketing team who is extremely supportive and like gives me the resources I need. And when I have questions or I need more budget, they're like totally open to it. But I think the thing is with that too, is like, so many people are like, oh, well you're running TikTok and Instagram and Twitter. Like, don't you want a break or something? Or do you want to go deeper on two channels or one? And sometimes to my, in my head, I'm like, well, yeah, I'm kind of like going against my own tweets and stuff like that but I realized for myself like and it just depends on how someone like operates I've realized that if I go on a scope that is just social strategy I almost always end up taking the account on as a whole because I want to be in charge of the execution because it's my strategy and if it's not getting executed on correctly then like it defeats the purpose then number two is like even going from all those platforms and working across them, it's like, I know how things should be repurposed correctly. And so if there's like, you have three cooks in the kitchen across three platforms that kind of work like together, it kind of messes things up. And same thing I've seen with like, honestly, like sometimes like it depends, like social and having a social manager and a community manager. I've seen like lines get blurred there. I don't know if you have. There's just like, I don't know. I feel like there's just certain things where lines get blurred and then where they're like should be more concrete when it's like, but that also comes out to like the team who is building it out and like how clear they are in expectation. One thing I always ask is what's their definition of community manager? Yes, exactly. (laughs) To me, community manager is not the person that's in charge of social strategy. It's the person that's making the community managed. Like somebody comments, organic or paid, they're on it. And there's a difference between that in my book and CX. So the everyone should probably have someone that's handling the support at tickets on Gorgeous or whatever the other Zendesk or whatever it is. But those tickets are typically more like something happened to my product that shouldn't have happened. If yeah. someone's asking about your ingredients, that's a community manager making sure people are stoked online. And I think it's the social manager that is the higher up that 
manages the community manager. And it gets really blurry when somebody's hired as a community manager thinking they're a social manager. That's why it gets down to the job title or the, the job description is a short way of saying it. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I think also it's like one of those things too, where it's like, it comes down to brands being super clear and like knowing when they're putting the JD up, like what this person is doing or else it becomes like butting heads internally because then it's like someone answered something twice. They're like, and one of them was a different answer than the other one. Or, you know, just like, I don't know. I, it's something I think about often because like there are situations where like I do help clients like find the people to build out the teams. And it's always just like my first thing is making sure it's so clear, like what this person is doing and what they touch and like what they don't, but what they could end up touching on just because I've seen or I've been in the situation where it's like when lines start to blur, you almost are like, I don't even really know what my job is because (laughs) and then it's just like, uh, like a constant state of what's going on. Yeah. It's bad for morale. And I think what what it comes down to is potentially on the brand side, them trying to find a quick fix or trying to find that magic pill. Reactive versus proactive. Yeah. If you sat down and said, you know, what exactly is it that we need? And there's oftentimes where it's okay. You you don't know what you need and you bring on an expert like Kendall, but Kendall's got to kind of be the point guard there. Even if, even though they're not internal, you got to hire somebody. You're basically outsourcing a leader in the field. And then when you bring somebody on internal, there is a, a friction there where they might think that you're working for them when in actuality, that brand doesn't want to pay you what you're worth to do it at full-time level. Yeah. You know? so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, and that's the thing too. That's why like, I would say when it, I've been in that exactly what you just described um, where it's like, I think it also comes to one of those things where for us too, where it's like when you have uh, growth busters and like, I do my thing, like I think a lot of people, I don't want to say like forget, but everyone's like kind of on an even, even playing field. Like they're a client to us, but we were like, you know, like they choose to pay us and all this stuff. Like we can separate ties just as easily as they can. I think everyone kind of forgets this. It's a two-way street. We both sign the same contract. It's not like this puts us above you and vice versa. Yeah, I, I hear you on that with the like the termination clause because being an employee is risky these days. You don't know what brands are up to on, under the hood um, yeah. in terms of how they're spending their dollars or allocating their resources. And I mean, that's part of why like I started GB as just a contractor early on was I, I needed a little bit more safety. I needed to bet on myself. I've pulled the the plug on. I've got a friend that used to be the chief communications officer at Quest. His name is Bruce, and we work out in the mornings. And he cracks jokes about me because I've I've fired and I guess not fired, but I've parted ways with, with clients pretty easily in the past. And it's pretty simple for me. It's if you're bad for culture or you're bad for morale, you know, whether you're paying us five mid five figures or low four figures, it doesn't matter to me. As long as the team's happy, like that's all that matters to me. And as long as you give us a shot to do our job well. And I always use this, this quote, um, it's from the Chicago Cubs. And when they won their first championship after like 80 some years, they asked the GM what he did to turn that around. And he said, you hire good people, they hire good people and you let them do their jobs. Yeah. It's as simple as that. No, it is. I mean, like, that's the thing where, I don't know. I think it's one of those things where I have like almost like PTSD from working with like the mom and pop shops as much as I love them because it was so like the smallest thing you got, like the text on the weekend being like, and you just knew what was about to, I was like, it's like, Hey, what's up? And then I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> like, and so now I'm like conditioned, 
like from years of that, of just being like assuming, like even if a client texts me on the weekend, just truly like as a friend is like, yo, what's going on this weekend? Like, how are you? Like, let's catch up. I'm like, oh, I'm doing this. And they'll be like, I'm literally just checking in to see how your weekend's going. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I was there too. I, I know exactly that feeling. And um, it's one thing that I've had to, I don't particularly like that feeling of like, are you getting your shit done on the weekends? So I've, I've shielded that from the team where it's like, we, we know we, we've set our boundaries Monday through Friday. We stopped community managing on the weekends back in the day. Like it's one of those things where you just have to have a little bit of time away. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think also that's like, I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things as a consultant contractor too. It's like the separation between, and social in general, actually just working in social weekends. Like, do you get them to yourself or do you not? And like, how do you create boundaries and all this stuff? Like I had a call through MentorPass the other day with the social media manager. And actually this was like my third call where it was solely based on how to work in social without burning out. I don't have the answer to that, but I'm flattered that people think I, I, I do that. I don't burn out as often. I definitely have my moments. I don't call them burnout. It's just like creative. It's a creative consistency dip. Like I can ride highs for a while. And then there's usually like a few days through the month where my brain just like can't. Like I can do everything else, but I can't think of like creative things. I don't know. It's just like, it sucks to hear, but I think that also just goes back to like how much pressure is being put on them because they're doing so much that isn't, and even in social, like I'm hearing things of like, I am the graphic designer for the whole company, but I also run the social. That's brutal. It's, it's, there's no room to really excel in any one place. And as much as I used to really appreciate being like a jack of all trades, I think it is very valuable for, for mental health and for just productivity and, uh, and efficiency and effectiveness if someone can focus on one or two things really, really well. I wish more brands would see it that way because social media managers have it rough. We're typically the least, people are least open to paying premium for a social media manager and they expect 24 seven. And I, there's been times where I wanted to get a pager and be like uh Grey's Anatomy where I'm on call 24 seven, you know, and I just, just can't do it anymore. And I, I don't, but um, I think that folks, as I read on Twitter and LinkedIn, I, I think that people are still in that behavior of my social media managers 24 seven, they're a doctor. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. And I think like, I I've been trying to like slowly wean off on the weekends. Obviously it becomes like first inclination when I like wake up in the morning and grab my phone and I'm trying to stop that. Or like, when I'm just like waiting in line or I'm walking down the street, it's like open. Like there are moments where for fun, even though I'm not doing anything and I'm just anxious, I start like opening and closing Slack and Gmail and every social platform. And I'm like, it's literally a Saturday. Like no one's saying anything. I think I've also realized like no one, even though I act like, I would say majority of the time, like, you know, especially for let's use Graza as an example or like Saturday. Like I act as an operate as like head of social because I like oversee like the internal creators and like, or external creators who like make internal content and like all that stuff and partnerships and whatnot. But like, I've also realized at the same time is my brain just definitely just stopped working for a hot second while I was saying <laughs> right now. Um, well, no, I would say, I would say, let's see, where was I, where was I going with that? I would say it's more so one of those things where I think even op- like being treated like, you know, 
having that, I don't want to say like title, like it doesn't put any, no one's above one another. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I think a lot of people also in general, like if you're a social media manager, like you're, you have to be on 24 seven. And I think even being working as like a head of social and still being some of the, still managing like accounts too, like it is very easy for me to just stay on my phone the whole weekend and like work through the weekend sometimes. And I know that's not the best thing, but at the same time, like, and I do it from multiple accounts, but at the same time, I, I just feel like it's very, it's, I don't want to say it's toxic. I don't really know what the word is. I think I'm just running around it. Like I just, I think the expectations from brands need to be put in stone at the beginning of a scope of literally a full-time commitment of like, you can chill on the weekends. Yeah. Your Instagram stories can wait. There's one proactive way to, to kind of get around this. And I, I don't know if IG still has it. I haven't uh, touched it for a minute. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't personally use this on um, Perfy's IG. But there was something that we used in the past where there was almost like an away message on IGDM. I know exactly you, what you're talking about. Wait, I feel like I know which account this was. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, yeah. we, just can't, we just can't say which one it is because... I don't want to. Um, yeah, no, I know. I know exactly which one. <laughs> and so it was important for us to say, hey, we're going to we're going to take a breath over the weekend and we we check everything Monday mornings. So we'll be back to you then. If it's like an emergency type thing, you know, we'll go in and check it and handle it. But that was one where it kind of gave us a, a breath, you know, and people didn't question it. People actually appreciated it, saying that that's actually pretty dope. We get it. But if it was an emergency, we would take care of it or ladder it up to customer support. So it'd go into a ticket system. But I don't know, maybe that'll work. Yeah. I mean, that's something like I started testing a little bit more so like on the Facebook side for like the accounts, I get like a lot of like CX inquiries through messenger, but I think it's also one of those things of for the accounts that just get so much influx of content on the weekends. That's really good. It's like, we obviously want to make sure that we don't miss it. So I guess it's just like installing like something like archive and to like make sure that we collect stories and all the content that's like been taken and like, all this stuff but obviously like a lot of startups don't have the money to be on all these platforms yeah. to like collect their content and for influencer management and like do all this stuff i don't know i had a client that's got onboarded onto like one of the top tier influencer management platforms but then when you talk to someone else who's like just starting you can't really offer that as an option even though you know that's the best one that there is to get everything that they're asking for like i'm not going to ask you to spend forty thousand dollars on this platform yeah, I, I did that one year thinking it would like catapult us at GB. And we, we fronted, it was 30 plus thousand dollars for an, like an influencer listening tool that allowed you to look into the influencers following and make sure that they weren't, you know, uh, running yeah. you up for fake followers. I would never do it again. And every time they call me on a sales call, I'm like, dude, this hurts. It's, it's too soon. I will Venmo you for wasting my time. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually, actually just Venmoed somebody um, the other day. I was like, hey, yeah. can you chill out? I then wrote somebody 20 bucks and asked the salesperson if you, if they could chill out and like have a couple of beers on me, but you got to chill on the LinkedIn, reach out, dude. <laughs> I can't deal with that. It's also the people who are like, they just keep, I had someone like cold call me. And then when I was like, I really don't want to be on this phone call. He just kept like screaming, being like, no, you like you, we, we got this. Like, oh, this is what we're going to talk about. And I'm like, I really just don't care. Like, I'm not even trying to be rude. Like, it's just, I don't know. I just. I love and hate LinkedIn lately. I always hated it, but now I like it because it's like once you can like clear the air and like go through all the bullshit of it, like it is actually really cool. And I think also like as a 
like building like for us like our personal brands on a platform like that like it is actually fun and it's very interesting and like good conversations start but no I just can't with like all these platforms and everything like that it's just so I think the one I keep getting the most is you know what it's actually like all the UGC creators who aren't really UGC creators nothing against them but like yeah. that's that's the one lately that's really getting me I've been trying to stop with um, my bashing of the, so between my extended car insurance or car warranty on my phone <laughs> getting spammed and UGC, it's, it's tough to manage some of, some of those. I've been better on LinkedIn saying, Hey, I'm not a lead. It wouldn't work for me. It's the amount of blasting of sales and outreach. Like that's, it's pretty hard to take anything seriously because someone might say, Hey, we think you're doing a great job with X, Y, and Z. And my first response is like, is this a sales? Are you just complimenting me because you're going to pitch me right after? They're like, yeah. I'm like, fuck, dude, come on. No, I know. It's like every single time. And then it's like when I open up DMs for someone, it's literally, I don't know, 10 messages of I'm a UGC creator who, and I will send you my rate sheet, but it's like, they have zero followers. I feel for them though, because you know, they're, it's tough times. And if uh, there's one, one girl that I, I absolutely adore, she dropped out of college and when she, she tweeted about that, I was like, that's amazing. Good for her for taking the plunge. And I really respected it. Uh, I think Perfy was one of her first clients and now she's racking in five figures a month. You're like, no problem. You know, and I, for people who are getting through like these times, like I'm all about that. Yeah. But I think people need to be a little bit more diligent in saying, Hey, I'm just getting going. Like, exactly. I, yes, yes, exactly. that. Yeah. Just being like honest, yes. I would say something like that. So that, you know, from the, like the the deliverable standpoint like i'm just getting started versus i've been doing this for like five years so i totally agree because like i love to see it because it's like so i think it's cool too right because it's just even though it's it's kind of like a i don't want to say it's like a simple unlock but i think it's it's one of those things where like most things the most simple things are always the things that work the best and people realizing that like, oh my God, like I love this company. I, why don't I just make like a video testimonial video and send it to them and just be like, Hey, like actually you can use this for this fee. Like not saying like hustle brands, but I'm just saying like in general, like the concept of UGC has always been around, but I, I guess, you know. It's changed though. Like back at Quest, UGC was, was truly like it was one of two things. A customer sent in a photo of them smiling with a bar in hand. Or we would like, we had a limit of how many quote unquote UGC shots we can fake at Quest. There was one where I was doing Quest cooking social channels back in the day. And it was 100% foodie. How can you make like the most delicious treats out of like Quest protein powder and stuff? And every post that was just a bar in hand with like a Quest background or like a landscape in the background, we called them on a Quest shots. Those yeah. always performed. We were limited to one per month because we knew it would work. We knew that it would spike our engagement rates and our reporting and things like that. And we were we were limited to that. UGC these days is just anybody with an iPhone and that's cool. But with any sort of supply, there's so much supply of that now because everyone's switching their Twitter handle to that where I think brands are being a little more cautious. And I just want to give one like, cautionary tale for those that are doing UGC creator stuff. Don't send the invoice until after the contract is signed. I spoke mm -hmm. with somebody where we were negotiating on rates. We were negotiating on deliverables per month. And by the time I got back to my computer, there was an invoice in my email. And I was like, we haven't even signed the contract yet. And I pulled away from that because it was just, I, I let them know like, Hey, I've never experienced that before, but also I was like, just, you know, maybe sign the contract first next time, because I definitely want to be supportive of them and help them. But sometimes it's, um, 
it's carte blanche out there and you can't really help everyone. I've literally sent my editorial calendar to UGC creators and say, Hey, just work, take, just take this and keep it because (laughs) I've had a few bad experiences. That's so, no, it's true. And I think like, I'm Kurt, I like had a call today all about this UGC and like building out like a internal database of people that we can lean on. Cause yeah, it's like super hard to just know, like sometimes what you're going to get, even if you're as clear as day and then just like what that looks like, it's like, are you going to get hit with a random like reshoot fee or like anything like that? So yeah, I'm very, I'm very like pro the whole contract thing for me. is just like, so that has happened to me too, the weird though I've gotten like an invoice in the beginning and I'm like, mm, no, it just doesn't feel, um, it just feels wrong for some reason. It's just, I, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. Cause you just don't know what you're paying for. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It, it feels like, uh, like if I just met you, you know, wherever and I'm like, Hey, Kendall, can I borrow 20 bucks? Yeah. And she's like, wait, wait, hold on. I don't even know you. And I'm about to use that 20 bucks for my dinner. Get out of here, dude. Like it just feels <laughs> almost like that. It's like, it's exactly. um, out of pocket. Oh yes. 100%. Every single time. All right, Kendall. I had a blast chatting with you. I feel like we could go on for hours and hours and hours. It's amazing chatting with you. I got to get you back on sooner or later. Where can everyone find you? And um, yeah. Um, You can find me on Twitter at Flexible Foodie. I need to change my Twitter handle. um, And then you can follow if you're feeling hungry and need some healthy recipes, you can find me on Instagram at the Flexible Foodie. And I should probably start that account again. Otherwise, my personal is at Kendall Mary. And then you can find me, my website is kendalldickinson.com for right now. Awesome. Thanks for being on. I enjoyed our conversation. I love chatting with you. Same here. I Hopefully I'm going to see you soon. Actually, I'll be in California this week. Surprise. Nice. <laughs> LA? Yeah. All right. I'll text you. All right, cool. Oh, take care.